Right, hi listeners, um, it's myself Rudolf Skippers with Mick Clark and we're doing a bit of fishy tales again and uh, we're going to talk about whales today and I did a bit of homework on it and hopefully we can give you guys some nice interesting information on them. So Mick, um, what do you know about whales? Wales, Rudolph, it's a, isn't it a country attached to England, uh, full of people who don't like English people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I believe they play rugby, don't they? They've got a little rugby team. And Mick, yeah, I can see you've got a lot of knowledge on the Wales subject. <laughs> yeah, I think you better educate me today, Matt. Well, Mick, just to start off with, um, uh, myself and Mick obviously aren't any experts on this topic, so we spoke to some people who know Wales and, and know these specific Wales, and we did a bit of homework on the internet, so... Our information is based on what scientists say, so we're not claiming this is all true. This is just our homework we did. On the KZN coastline, we see the whales from June all the way right through till December. So, so when we first see the whales in June, Rudolph, where did they actually come from? Well, Mick, um, they come from Antarctica, June, July, and they move north past the KZN coastline, and they head towards Mozambique and Madagascar and up there they breed and they pup so the ones that we're seeing now late in the year August September onwards are actually the return whales and normally the females that return with the either with the calves or they return after mating and um, so we are now in late August September so those are the ones we're seeing now and they're on their way back to Antarctica again. So wh why did the whales actually travel north then uh, Rudolph from up to Mozambique, why did they go so far up there? Mick, um, according to a bit of research I did, um, we actually, a lot of people think these whales actually follow the sardines and they eat sardines, but it's not true at all. Um, these uh, southern right whales and humpback whales, their main source of food is actually krill, or krill, which they eat down in the Antarctica. Um, in the, and it's some in the Antarctica when they down there, so they feed off that and they fatten up. Which is quite interesting is that when they move up the coast, they stop feeding, they fast. And, and these whales live off their fat reserves from the krill they ate down in Antarctica. So they don't actually feed when they come past our coastline. So as I said, early um, May, June, July, they move north. They head towards the warmer water. Um, and the main reason they head north towards uh, Mozambique, Madagascar coastline is to go and breed and calf. And as soon as they've done that, they turn around and come back. And then they seem to hang around the KZN coastline for a while. I think there's still pockets of warm water here, warmer water. And as you'll notice, a lot of these whales have got calves. Um, so the main reason is for breeding and mating purposes. And as soon as they move back to Antarctica, they'll feed again and krill and fatten up again. Wow, that's really interesting there because um, I thought they came and they ate the sardines. So it's just a coincidence then that they're here at the same time as the sardines are here. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, Rudolph. So now we know that the whales calf Rudolph and we've seen the calves on the way back. The mothers are with the calves. What, what do the calves actually eat then? What do they feed on? Well, Mick... Um Obviously, these are mammals. They're not fish. They don't eat fish. They're mammals like us. So the calves live off the milk of the mother. Um, she's fattened up down in Antarctica. She's got a lot of reserve fats and milk. And that's what that calf lives on. And the calf will spend its first year of its life with the mother. Um, if you actually watch these whales, you'll see that they, 
they are, are very, very close. The calf will spend a lot of time right against the mother, actually feeding her, and, sort of, and the mother will teach this calf how to survive in nature. And that's what we see down here on our coastline now, where the mother is actually teaching this little calf how to survive and where to go and, I guess, learn currents and everything like that. So it's very interesting. Um, they are very, very close-knit family members, and for the first year, that calf lives right next to the mother until it's sort of big enough to go on its own. And uh, the sexual maturity of these whales are um, after about five years. So after about f when they're about five years old, they sexually mature and they can carry on and breed. So Rudolf, I've seen different types of whales here, but I have no idea the difference between them. Uh, what whales actually come and what's the difference between the different species of whales? Right, Mick, yes, um, obviously there's quite a few different species, but the most common ones we see here are the southern right whale and then the humpback whale. Um, from far where we are on land and we see them from binocs, it's quite difficult to see the difference between them, but there are some telltale signs that could actually assist you in identifying them from a, from a long way away. For instance, your um, southern right whale has got no fins on the back, um, so there's no dorsal fin on the back, so it's got a smooth back, and a nice way of actually identifying them is the fact that they've got rough patches of skin on the head. And people say it looks like piles of stones packed on the head. So it's these little rough patches and the color goes all sort of white. And which is interesting is that every single whale has got a different pattern on the head. And scientists actually identify these southern right whales by these patterns on the head. So that's one way by which they can identify these whales. Um, so each, each one's got a unique marking and they'll map that if they follow the whales. When we come to the humpback whale, um, what distinguishes them is the fact that they've got a small little dorsal fin at the, on their back, um, small uh, relative to their size. Um, and the humpback whale has also got a very prominent tail or fluke. And that's the one that you often see where the tail lifts out the water and it's got a black and white uh, uh, markings at the bottom and then the scientists use those black and white markings on the bottom of the fluke to identify them because they're all unique um, so just by those two factors you could maybe identify them if you stand on shore or on a boat using a binoculars oh that's great thanks for sharing that information Rudolf uh, I know a little bit more about whale species now so just thinking about the whales what sort of size do they come in Rudolf because I've seen some up close and personal and these things are huge how yes. big do they come mick they are very big um your adult whales are up to 16 meters long and can weigh 25 to 30 tons so that's a huge piece of meat can you just imagine that thing jumping on your jet ski <laughs> <laughs> no thank you <laughs> and so the the southern right and the humpback do they both grow to that size yes they they according to the research i did they are similar in um, sizes and that's sort of the maximum weight 25 to 30 tons wow can we put that into some sort of perspective then what sort of similar things are 25 to 30 tons well um these double axle trucks you see on the or should i say these multi-axle trucks you see on the road their payload is 30 tons so these big trucks that caught stuff between durban and johannesburg they are they weigh 30 tons and they I think they're 24 meters long. So you can compare it to one of those big trucks. It's a huge fish. 
Can you believe it? I always used to say a whale jumping looked like a car dropping out the sky. So I'll actually change that now too. It looks like <laughs> a truck dropping out the sky. Yes, yeah, it looks like a bus dropping out the sky. Something I was thinking about, Rudolf, is when we see these whales off the KZN coast, that these 30-ton supermodels are the small whales. But where's all the males and the in-between size whales? What's happened to all them? Mick, actually the, the whales that we see here, those 25, 30-ton females, are the, your adult females. Um, but there are males with them as well because they're going up north to go breed. So the males are there as well. They just don't swim close to the females. Um, so they'll go up north, they'll breed and come back. And when obviously when they come back, there'll be the females with the calves and they obviously don't want the males near them. So their males are with them, but they're not close to the females. Um, they'll be separate. The younger juveniles stay behind in the Cape Coast. Um, so when the, the adult females and the males move up north, those little younger ones will stay in the Cape Coast and they'll hang around and actually wait for those adults to return and then from there they'll head south towards Antarctica to go feed on the krill and stuff again. Wow, that's amazing. So um, if this was put into the human perspective, they actually leave all the teenagers to party in the <laughs> cave while mum and dad and um, the others go off up to Mozambique. But do the whales have one partner then? or I don't know, did they partner for life or do they have different partners? Mick, um, I did a bit of research on that subject, and no, they haven't got one partner. Um, they've got various partners. So when they go up to mate, they'll mate, the female will mate with different males, and I presume the sort of alpha male will get the female pregnant, and it goes from there. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, so something else I've learned to do. Thanks for that, Rudolph. Yes, Mick, um, this whole whale thing is so interesting. Um, you know, we all know that... Um, People used to hunt whales um, in the from as early as 3000 before Christ. Um, they hunted them for the meat, the oil, and for the blubber. Um, and in Durban, yeah, we've still got the old whaling station. The buildings are still there. And it's very interesting to go down there and actually look at it. It's, it's in the bluff area. So if you have a bit of time, go with someone who knows the whaling station, go show you where it is. It's very, very interesting. Um, there's a lot of history behind it. And um, lucky for us, we... St uh, hunting whales in South Africa was banned in 1979 and that's something obviously all of us are very happy about um, and if we didn't ban hunting those years I don't think we would have seen whales today. Yeah what a pleasure Rudolph um, I'm very blessed to be able to see these whales and um, thank goodness it got stopped years ago but just matter of interest what did they actually hunt the whales for? Um, like I said um, it was hunted for their meat their oil and the blubber so None, nothing of that whale actually went to waste those years, um, but it was a very gruesome um, way of killing them. And so I'm also one of those that are very happy that we're not hunting them anymore. Yeah, but um, on the other side of it as well, I hear there was some great fishing in Durban way back in those dark days. And uh, they used to use pieces of the whale meat to catch sharks off the peas there in Durban. Do you know much about that, Rudolph? Yes, Mick, there's lots of stories about the, the whaling and, and fishing around it. And I think that's a topic we can maybe discuss in, a, in another show because on its own, that is a big topic. There's a lot of stories attached to it, which uh, makes that a big part of the history of Durban and the whaling. So I think we can go do a bit of homework on that subject as well and do a few fishing stories on the, the whaling years and the sharks and the other fish species which people don't know what's linked to that, that using parts of the whale to fish with.
Well, I'll look forward to that, Rudolph. I found a little bit about it, but uh, I'd love to find some more about that and come and tell some more of them stories on Fishy Tales. Yes, that'll be a very interesting one. Something I have noticed, Rudolph, is when the whales are about, there's often quite visual and aerial sort of displays, you know. We mentioned earlier these huge big splashes. Do you know the reason for doing that? Yes, Mick, um, it's actually quite interesting, um, these splashes and the whales jumping and slapping their tails and their pecs in the water. Um, you might have noticed that when it's a rough, windy day, you see that more than those calm, flat, glassy days. Um, and the reason for that is apparently all got to do with communication. So these whales um, communicate underwater via, via three different ways, either a clicking sound, a whistling sound, or a pulse call um, type of sound that they make. So you can imagine on a flat, calm day, that sound can travel very far underwater. But as soon as the wind picks up and the sea gets very rough and there's a lot of activity on the water, these um, calls between them gets disrupted. So on these rough, windy days, they would use a different way of communicating. So that is when they start jumping, uh, slapping their tails in the water and slapping their pectoral fins. So basically it's just another way of communicating. Um, uh, they stay far apart as well. They are big pods of 30 up to 60 kilometers apart. So by them slapping or jumping out the water, they can communicate with another whale, which is a kilometer or two or three away, by just saying, I'm still here, I'm still part of the pod. So it's actually one giant pod of whales. Um, they look like the individuals, but it's one big pod uh, spread out over a huge area that communicate like this. Oh, wow, that's interesting, because um, I have heard those sounds before, those clicking sounds and those high-pitched squeaks, but I just thought of a story there. A couple of weeks ago, I was out on my jet ski, and I heard what I can only be described as a really loud mooing sound, that you know, what a cow would moo. And I was just thinking to myself, Rudolph, is that why female whales are called cows? I wonder <laughs> if anybody knows that. <laughs> I don't know, Mick, but um, funny enough, I've heard that same sound, and I, I, I was the first time I heard it, I actually looked up into the sky to see where's this funny sound coming from until I realized it's, these are whales communicating. And if you are privileged and honored like we are to be out on the water and hear that, it, it's, it's an amazing sound. And it, it shows you how far that sound travels underwater because the first time I heard it, um, I saw a whale in the distance, and that whale must have been five, six kilometers away from me. And, but the sound I heard next to the boat was so clear and loud. So it's absolutely amazing by the way these guys communicate with each other. Yeah, it is. So there's a question for the listeners. Why is a female whale called a cow? Am I right or am I wrong? It's because they make a mooing sound. <laughs> You're going to be in trouble when you get home. It's all I know. <laughs> Definitely. So I think that's it. I think we've um, uh, covered the whales now, Rudolph. You've done some sterling work there doing all that research. So thanks very much for doing that. And for this uh, episode, by listeners, by Rudolph. Thank you, Mick. Yes, um, it was a very interesting little chat, and we've all learned a lot. And yes, we'll chat to you guys again next week. Bye bye.